to another edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast. I am your host of this episode, uh, Jake Mastriani, and with me as always is Alan. Howdy. And Fred. Good evening. And guys, we have a exciting podcast today because the Braves advanced in the playoffs for the first time since 2001. It was a wild card series, but we're gonna we're gonna count it nonetheless. And they did so really in an unusual fashion, shutting out the Reds in in two games with dominant pitching, a little bit of offense, and really not what we may have expected going into the series. I think a lot of us thought, you know, if we were gonna win, we were gonna have to to put up some runs. But really, it was the pitching staff that kind of carried the Braves in this series but yeah I mean back to the you know the big highlight here I mean the Braves advance and that's big in and of itself we uh, wrote about I know on the site uh, tomahawktake.com you know kind of preview in the series that you know a lot of people were hot on the Reds and for very good reason um, you know the Reds were a team that were picked by a lot of people to win the NL Central when the season began or when the season was supposed to originally begin um, you know, because they made a lot of moves in the off season. They have a great pitching staff. Uh, unlike the Braves, their pitching staff remained healthy all year, uh, which was, you know, big for them. And they, they had good players on offense. They, uh, they maybe didn't perform up to what the Reds were hoping and, and certainly didn't in this series. But I mean, you look at the names in that lineup and in, you know, their names that normally are going to, uh, do big things. Um, so the Reds were a good team, a team that uh, a lot of people thought would be dangerous once they got into the postseason because of their starting pitching. I mean, it certainly wasn't their starting pitching's fault that they lost this series. You know, Bauer and Luis Castillo were were great in their own right, but uh, it was the offense really that, that let the, the the Reds down, or uh, more so it was the Braves pitching that, that held them down. Is how I like to to view it, but maybe the the ESPN broadcasters. Uh, tend to point to the fact that the Reds missed a lot of opportunities, which they did. Um, but, you know, I, I credit the Braves pitching a lot for being so so stingy in this series. But the Braves uh, sweep the Reds in, in two games and move on to the uh, NLDS round, which we'll get into a little bit more later. But, uh, Alan, I'll, I'll go to your first, just kind of your overall thoughts, you know, on the series and, and the Braves advancing. I tell you, look, you know, we we could talk about the uh, the starting pitchers and they were fabulous, but I gotta say the bullpen stepped it up. We've been seeing some sort of lackluster things. Uh, Will Smith has not been had not been himself through the regular season, but he sure looked pretty good uh, this week. And you can't say enough about a team that shuts down another team as much as they did, and. That's exactly what happened here. Even though the Reds got 11 hits on on Wednesday, the opportunities that they had were were always snuffed. Whether it was a, a good defensive play, a timely strikeout, it was a team effort, and the bullpen kind of led that and just shut these guys down. Now, you know, we'll probably talk about the atmospheric conditions, whether that uh, played any role or not and that's hard to, to to guess we'd have to have uh info for the players directly to say yay or nay on on that but uh that that was at least even on both uh, i saw some great pitching i saw some iffy ball and strike calls on occasion uh looked like everything that was questioned by a batter on either side of, of the of the field was correctly being challenged things that were a little bit outside a little bit down sometimes were were getting called but it it seemed like everything was relatively balanced that way so i i saw a series with some pretty good defense uh really good pitching anemic hitting at times but it it was a strong effort by the Braves and a strong effort by the Reds too i got to got to say but uh I'm just glad to see that uh, we prevailed obviously yeah and you know fred it was um, like you said, is a little bit of both sides. I mean, the teams seem to be mirroring each other for for most of the series, and the Braves were just uh, fortunate to get uh, that ex, that big hit here and there. But Fred, what what was your just overall takeaways from the series and Braves finally advancing for uh, the first time since 2001? Well, you know, I, I was surprised at David Bell's uh, uh, lineup in the first game. He basically took his best hitters out uh, and put in players that. Hadn't hit, okay? Senzel got on base a couple of times, and Akiyama didn't do anything today. Of course, nobody did anything today. Two hits, 
uh, one of those from uh, Suarez and one of them from Galvis, who's a pain in our neck anyway. But <laughs> the, the the idea that you have a lineup that's coming down, and the, you know, I wrote about the, the the lineup the day the day of the game, and it seemed to me that you've got a lineup that's doing really pretty well. I mean, in, in the last two weeks, they were really pretty close to us in terms of OPS and all kinds of things like that. Now they weren't getting on base like us because they B A B A P that was awful, but but they, the lineup was good. It was scoring runs, and then he shuffled it. And for me, that gave the Braves an automatic advantage because the lineup was not the lineup that the players expected. And I think that that's a problem when you go out there. But the, the real story for for the Braves for, me, for the series for me was the pitching. Trevor Bauer was magnificent. You know, you can say what you want about Trevor Bauer. But he went out a week ago on Wednesday and threw eight innings of 12-strikeout ball in Minnesota to help them get that spot. And then he went out against us and threw seven and two-thirds innings of 12-strikeout ball uh, to keep them in the game. And Max Fried uh, didn't strike out as many people, but he was a lot more efficient pitch-wise because that's the kind of pitcher he is. The pitching in the first game, for the first nine innings of that game, the pitching was immaculate on both sides. And you know, people complained about the batters not getting a hit, but you got to give the pitcher some credit in this. There was really good pitching on both sides of the aisle until Bell left Castillo in too long, and the tired pitcher gave up a hit and put people on base, and he brought in Iglesias, and, and the ball left the ballpark twice. And that, you know, that's really the story here. Our bullpen, as Alan said, our bullpen was nails but I, they get in trouble but they got out of it and and tyler matzik mm-hmm. bless you come in uh bases loaded extra innings and good morning good afternoon good night go sit down you can't program that kind of stuff and for me that was the that was the the pitching was the mvp for the braves specifically you know anderson and freed but the whole bullpen as alan has said was was really really good. Uh, Smith was good. Matzik was magnificent in coming in there. Bases loaded. That's a horrible place to come in. A guy's not been out there for a while. But I was really impressed by that. And any time you keep Joey Votto off base, one of the best hitters in the league, you've done something. And Votto got what a hit on the first day. And he got two. Him. He got two. But uh, yeah. it was thirteen innings. So you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I mean Votto. You you keep Votto off bases. As I wrote the story. If you get to bottom with nobody on base, hallelujah, because that's you know he's dangerous at that point. But he he what he never got in there with anybody on base. He never did anything serious. Castellanos was a non-event. Thank God that he wasn't. We didn't sign him. These are good ball players. Both sides of these are good ball players. And you 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 sit out there and you say, well, you know, they were trash. They were no good. I'm, I'm telling you, the Reds are good ball players. And they may not have had a good series. They may not have had a good year. But there's there's three or four ball players on that team that are strong enough to to take the field for most teams in the National League. And and when you beat a team like that, and uh, you, you've done something. And I think the Braves, Braves should be really proud of this. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned Matzik, and I thought he had kind of fallen out of favor. I thought he had kind of uh, regressed a little bit in the last month. And I even said before the series, you know, he's one of the guys that I hope we don't have to use. Obviously, in a 13-inning game, you're going to have to use everybody. But he was huge. And then even again on on Thursday, he was the first one up in the bullpen. I think they ended up not not needing him, but it, I think that just tells you, you know, where uh, Snigger's competence is in him. And yeah, what a huge situation for him uh, in Game One. Uh, you talk about Trevor Bauer. He uh, he tweeted after um, the game, talking about the fans and his mentions, and said to Braves fans, "It seems like y'all hate me, and uh, I wouldn't be embraced here. What a shame." Uh, kind of, uh, I, I guess, signifying that maybe he won't be signing with Atlanta this offseason. But I tweeted him back and said, you know, the only reason they're talking about you like that is because you're not wearing tomahawk. Yeah. And, so, and we'll see you next year in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Money, money's going to talk in that situation. All will be That's forgotten right. and forgiven to, you know, the, the the money is right. But, yeah, he was, he was great. There's no denying it. Um, I thought it was interesting that uh, he was – asked, you know, was he ready to come out of the game at seven and two thirds? And he said, yeah, I was exhausted, um, which you don't normally hear a pitcher say that, you know, most pitchers don't want the ball taken out of their hand, but you know, in that game, yeah, he struck out 12, but 
I think he had to work. I think that just tells you how how much he had to work in that. Um, and, you know, the Braves hitters, you know, obviously didn't do much of, of anything. I think Albies had the two hits, and they were both little slow infield rollers. Uh, one of them could have been an, an error. I think one was changed to an error. But I, I think, you know, the Braves hitters at least made him work. And, obviously, when you strike out that many, you're going to have a lot of deep counts. You know, like you said, mentioned Freed, you know, he was much more efficient. I think he got taken out, you know, like 72 pitches, you know, in hindsight, knowing what we know now, maybe you would have sent him back out there for another inning and, and saved the bullpen a little bit. But, yeah, he, he was great. I, I put out a poll after after the series uh, asking who should be the MVP, whether it should be um, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, Freddie Freeman, or, or Acuna, and Max is, is leading uh, the poll right now, and I think that's deserved because he went up against Bauer, who again we talked about was was magnificent. And Freed matched him, you know, all the way, and really kept the Braves in that game uh, and got out of some tough jams, especially earlier in that in that game. Uh, first inning, I think Votto had first and third with no outs, and or maybe even second and third, and he got Votto to, to roll over and got out of that inning. And the Reds had a lot of chances in that game. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, they had a, a lot more chances than than the Braves did. But, uh, again, the Braves, just credit to the Braves pitching for, for not getting caught up in the, the emotion of it and, and able to settle down and, and work out of those jams. But, yeah, just a great pitch series all around. Obviously, you play 22 innings against the team and you don't give up a single run. That's just incredible. A lot of a lot of all-time stats came out out of that series. I think I saw the one where it's the first time starters had gone that long in a game scoreless since Avery and Smoltz did it in 1991. So uh, you know a lot of a lot of great stuff from the pitching staff in that game. But on the flip side of that, you got to look at it, and you know you can't deny the fact that the offense struggled mightily um, as well for the Braves and the Reds. And I think we said coming into this postseason, if, if the Braves are going to have any chance, they're going to have to slug their way there. Now, they didn't have to in this series. Um, but obviously, as the, the series get deeper, as you go into best of five, best of seven, um, you're going to need, you know, more of your pitching will, will be exposed, specifically the starting pitching. And you're going to need that offense to be the best offense um, like it was in the regular season. And, you know, that didn't happen in the first two games. Again, I know they're growing up against great pitching and also, you know, the early start times. Playing with that glare, uh, I know where I was. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, and I don't live too far from Atlanta. You know, I, I'm sure the batters were dealing with that. And again, uh, when you're going up against great pitching and, and throw in all those factors as well, uh, I think that had a lot to do with some of the struggles. But um, Fred, what were your your thoughts on the the offense and and kind of their struggles in this series? Today, in particular, first of all, Ozuna had a horrible series. The home run today sort of makes people forget that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he had a horrible game one. Adam Duvall, too. Yeah, and, and and game two did that. I think that Duvall's problem is, I, I believe, is that, you know, we're in a short season. And in the short season, you don't get exposed as much. We You know, we saw a lot of the people at the same time. But, we you know, if you look at the pitching, and the right-handed pitching in particular, uh, he – he was pretty good early, and he cooled off in September, and he came into this thing, and he saw two really good right-handed pitchers, and they did to him what right-handed pitchers do to him. And Iglesias put one in his happy zone above the, above the letters over the plate in, on the inner half, and he turned on it, which he'll do. But it did show why he's been a platoon player in the past. Now, I'm not saying he should be in the future, but that's that. Ozuna looked particularly lost at the plate. And a lot of that today was the glare. The ball, uh, I saw David Lee uh, say that, you know, the, where they're at, they probably can't see the spin. And if you can't see the spin on the ball, you don't know where it's going. And it was both sides were that way. You saw Votto doing it. You saw you saw Freddie doing it. You saw Ozuna and Duvall doing it. And, uh, you know, Dansby looked really bad. He was swinging. He swung at one pitch. It was uh, Duvall swung at one pitch. It was in the left-hand batter's box. That was a bad ball to swing at a little bit, but I think that's frustration. He couldn't see it, and he was just said, well, I hope it's close, and swung, uh, because he didn't know where it was going to go. And I, I tweeted a couple times, man, get these guys some blue blockers so they can see that. But, uh, yeah, the, the conditions, that early start, the high sun over over the top, 
had to be a part of that because we saw too many good hitters do too little against pitches they should have done something with, uh, including Freddie. Uh, but Duvall, Ozuna, Swanson uh, all had horrible series for them. Markakis got hit today. I think that's because he was left-handed. And the, the angle of the sun gave him a better eye on that than other people. He saw pitches they didn't. Uh, I'm glad he got, got the hits because I, I hope that's the foreboding of the future. I'm not guaranteeing that. But I think that there was something to that. Uh, he and Freddie seemed to put the bat on the ball more than everybody else. And I think that that's part of it. But uh, it was just uh, it was bad day for pitching. We had the best pitchers in the league, and you had horrible conditions for hitters. And that's why we went. That's why the Reds went 22 innings without doing anything, and that's why the Braves uh, squeaked this one out. Yeah, and Fred, just you know, on that note, I, I, I think it was very fitting that the two of the biggest hits from the Braves came from the top of the lineup, with Freddie getting the the big hit on in Game One, and Acuna getting the big double in Game Two. With, uh, outside of, of those two, and I really thought Freddie had good at bats in this game. I think he got robbed of a double in his first at bat of the series, and he lined two balls hard in game two uh, that were just right at the left fielder. But outside of them, I mean, there really wasn't much much offense coming from the Braves. Yeah, the uh, left hand, I think the left-handed batters had an advantage uh, in the game uh, today with that because Freddie did well, and Marcakis put the bat on the ball pretty well uh, for change, uh, and, and the other guys didn't. And I really don't know any other way. The Aussie... I don't remember what Ozzy did really, to be honest with you. It was it was one of these things that was going so quickly. But uh, I'm, I'm sure the conditions were a major factor. Yeah, he had a walk and a hit uh, yeah, in, in three trips, a... four trips. Yeah, I tell you, the um, the hitters overall, nobody had more than one hit in a game except uh, Acuna today, having uh, three going three out of five, and he, he looked pretty good. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But uh, uh, the rest of them were looking a little bit. I don't want to say tenuous. Uh, they look like they were guessing and guessing wrong all the yep. time. I got to wonder if there's some coaching they need to get about guessing better, perhaps in, in situations like that. But it, it's hard to do at this time of the season to, to, to change up your, your approach or change up uh, anything that you're doing like that. So I, I don't know that that's going to be in part of the plan going forward and frankly i don't know if it's going to be necessary if they go play in a dome stadium in houston so things should get better i don't think that uh it was a, a real test of the two teams in that uh, they were both fighting conditions that were unusual and foreign to them but i mean in the end you got to go with what you got and and at least the braves prevailed that what that way no, but I think it's like you said, Alan. I think the offense is what it is at this point. I mean, they're not going to change up their game plan. They're they're a free swinging team, and um, you know they're looking for the the big hits. They're looking for the home runs, the doubles. There just weren't a lot of those to be found in this series. And uh, I look at the box score from Game Two, and everybody in the lineup struck out twice, except for for Freddie and Ozzy, um, who didn't strike out at all. But that's just. That's just what this offense is at this point, and you're just going to have to, you know, live or die by it. And again, uh, they went up against a great pitching staff. You know, you got to give all the credit to to the Reds uh, pitchers, but uh, I think that's just what what this offense is going to be. They're going to try to to slug their way. They're not going to they're not going to try to take deep deep counts, even though they do that quite frequently. But I don't think it's intentional. You know, I, I tweeted out. Today, I wish sometimes they'd give Ozzy the, the take sign when a pitcher is clearly struggling up there and, and he goes up there and swings at first and second pitch no matter what, but that's just who he is and, and you take it because it works for him and he, uh, and he gets on base and he gets hit. So yeah, I, de- I definitely don't see them changing up anything. They're the best offense in the league. So, uh, you know, well, why would they change anything? A, a good series win for the Braves. Uh, the pitching was great. But now we go into the NLDS, and uh, this will be a, a best of five series, so it's going to uh, test the uh, test the, the starting pitching a little bit more. And I think we'll we'll start there. I think we know with the with the series not starting until Tuesday, Max and, and Ian will be on plenty of rest to go games one and two. Kyle Wright likely will be in in game three. 
Um, I have no idea what they would do <laughs> in a game four. Um, and, and on if a possible game five, I, I think they'd have to bring Max back on, on short rest. But, uh, Alan, I'll go to you first on this one. How do you think the Braves handle the starting rotation for the, the NLDS? First thought immediately is the Braves' best shot to win this thing, and I'm not just talking the NLDS, but I'm talking beyond this uh, round, is to get these games, get these series over quickly. Three, four games max next week is the only thing that's going to give them a shot at it. I don't know how that's going to work going forward through this thing, but I, I think there's some real trouble being exposed to some some difficulty down the road if they end up in an extended series. I think that Max Free could come back for a fifth game. I don't know what he would do in that regard. I, the best scenario I can think of is that uh, the Braves beat whoever it is that they're playing fairly early. They can yank uh, Max out early, and then uh, that that helps preserve him for a, a Saturday fifth game if if necessary. But, I mean, it's, it's going to be that kind of a thing. If any of these things go to extra innings, if we end up in a fifth game scenario or later on a sixth and seventh game scenario, I think the Braves are in real trouble trying to pull things together. What I would do in terms of the rotation is, you know, certainly uh, the three guys we've talked about, Freed, Anderson, and Wright, beyond that, we could change the rosters in between these series. So my suspicion is that in the next round, we would yank out one of the relievers, perhaps Grant Dayton, whoever it is that matter, really. You'd yank out one of the bullpen guys and then insert another starter so that they are able to at least get some length, we hope, even if it's only three or four innings. So, you probably look towards somebody like Bryce Wilson to to join the roster next week and then see what happens. The fifth game, if if necessary, fourth and fifth games might be a lot more bullpen centric. But like I say, let's hope we don't get there. And that's that's about all I got there because I I think the Braves are just simply going to have to punish whoever it is that faces the next round to be able to to, to move on. Yeah, Fred, that that puts a lot of pressure on. Ian Anderson and Max Freed to be perfect in their starts. I mean, we have to have them pitching basically just like they did uh, in the wild card series, you know, to have any chance going forward. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, the other teams know that. You know, this is not – we don't live in a, we're in a world where there's any secrets anymore. And the other teams know that uh, we have really three starters, two and a half stars. I, I, like, I think Kyle Wright will be fine, but they know that they have to uh, – they have to uh, cause us trouble and force us down the line, force us to use everything early. They'll be working to do that. Now, can the Cubs do that to us? No, I don't think so. Uh, can the uh, Marlins do that to us? No, I don't think so. But if we, when we get past the Marlins, when we get past the Cubs, uh, that's when the cheese gets more binding here because then you're starting to run into lineups that don't have holes, that there's no place to go for an out, or that places to go for an out are few and far between. And it becomes really problematic. Now, I agree with Alan. They're going to they're going to change the roster a bit. Uh, they're going to get rid of some of the relievers, maybe who didn't didn't make. You might see them start Mathic, you know, uh, and and do what Oakland tried to do today, which was get two or three innings out of a starter and then go to your go to your bullpen uh, for for game four, uh, and and then bring bring back uh, bring back somebody else on game five, because you are going to get a you know, eventually you're going to get a break on that, but. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Matzik go out there, Wilson for uh, for length in the in the middle, uh, maybe even as a fourth starter because his last time out as a starter he wasn't bad. Okay, the competition wasn't great, but he has confidence now to go back out there, which he lacked a little early on. So we have this position now. Uh, the Marlins have the better pitching of, between the Cubs and and the two teams, and I'm not sure which one. I'm beginning to think the Cubs might be easier to get to. Uh, because simply because Lester's getting old and they weren't hitting very well, but Darvish is a stud. Darvish and, and Sanchez, each team has a starter that's a stud. I think it's going to be just as hard for the Cubs to go four, four starters as it is for us, and it's going to be the same for the Marlins. So, you know, the, the next round is not going to be exclusively our problem, and that, in a way, works in our advantage because who has the strongest bullpen? We do. Uh, I do think, you know, you might see Wilson. 
uh, as Alan suggested, it's a, uh, really on top of the thing to, to suggest. Because I was struggling; I had forgotten uh, Bryce. Uh, I'm sorry, Bryce, but but uh, <laughs> but but you know, it's sort of the guy you didn't think of using him in this. But that's really a probably a pretty good call. And you know, Dayton. I don't know that we need the left-hander so much next round. I don't know what they'll do. Um, I'd like to point out that I was right about Contreras. Uh, yeah, sure. Caught Maxim out of uh, trouble <laughs> about saying that, but uh, you know, th- there's something about being the better defender, and and also having the better bat. I, I think that there's some bloodlines in that. His brother's a pro, and his brother says my younger brother's better than me. So there's something in that. But uh, I think you'll still see Contreras. I Charlie Culberson shocked me. I was I never expected to see Culberson again. But uh, yeah, I I just think that I think the pitching is. You know, next round the pitching's the same for everybody, really. They got two good ones in there, and maybe three, and then let's hope or something. The round after that, uh, we're going to need uh, a lot of a lot of help. And let me throw in something else real quick here, uh, and this has to do with the idea of trying to blow away your next opponent quickly. Uh, the next round is a Tuesday through a Saturday series of, of up to five games, Tuesday through Saturday. Then the championship series begins on Monday. Uh, and the National League has been staggered behind the American League so far in these first couple of rounds, but that uh, gets evened up for the championship series. So you only got one day off. So if you only got if you go to a fifth game on a Saturday, you get Sunday off, and then you got to pick up and play again on Monday. So there's why you need to really uh, get through the opponent quickly so that you have a shot at bringing back Max Reed on uh, for game one on the in a championship series, and and that sets you up perfectly if you do that. But you got to get you know, these things done. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think we kind of touched on a little bit. The other thing I wanted to kind of talk about was the possible roster changes for the next round. I, I think the bench stays the same. Um, and I kind of pointed this, I think I pointed this out last week and I know I talked to it in our, um, Twitter group for Tomahawk Take. Uh, I don't think the bitch is that important. And I think if we saw that be the case in this series, um, I think the nine starters are going to be your nine guys all the way through unless the game goes 13 innings. It was, it was weird to see the contrast between the Braves and the Reds because, uh, David Bell unloaded his lineup in, in game one and, and played some matchups. The Braves just don't have that from their bench. I mean, who are you bringing in to pinch hit for, for Duvall or a struggling Marcakis? I mean, the Braves bench honestly isn't that great. Uh, there's not a lot of, of good options right there. I think you're going to see Pache come in every game as a defensive replacement. Um, I think he's the, the one guarantee, you know, bench guy that's probably going to come in every game. But other than that, I mean, their bench, it really isn't a, a strength for them and didn't get used hardly at all in this series. And I think it'll remain that way going through. So I think the bench stays the same. I, I think we all kind of agree, like Alan said, you know, I think they'll take a bullpen arm off the roster and maybe put in somebody with some starting experience. Uh, who that will be, I don't know. We haven't really heard anything on Bolte or Newcomb or uh, either one of them in a while, uh, maybe Bryce Wilson, um, like you mentioned. Um, but I do think that'll happen. But, Fred, since you got everything right last week, any roster predictions for, for the next round? No, I think you're right. I don't think the bench changes a lot. Uh, again, I was surprised to see Culberson there. If there's a change, it might be Culberson. I saw uh, – I was interested to see Panda out taking infield with um, Washington this morning because uh, I I think that they're still concerned about Riley's quad. I mm-hmm. saw him run, you know, the run uh, when he scored today. He ran fine, uh, but that doesn't mean he felt fine. And I think they're still concerned about the quad. And and I still think, and I think they would prefer Panda over Camargo, which is a shame, but true. I just again, you're right, Jake. They're not going to pinch hit and, and do a lot of that because there's just nobody to pinch hit. Somebody said takes others. Said, Who do you want to put in? You know, there's nobody to put in. Uh, and you're not going to see faulty. Uh, yeah, I just I just don't think that's correct because the feeling they got last time was, hey, look, he's up 95, but it ain't all that great at 95. So I think you got what you got. You might see Wilson. Boy, I wish you could. I wish I could say and believe that Sean Newcomb's going to be important, but I think if they wanted him in the bullpen, he'd be there now. Um, and maybe they're going to pull me in and use him as a starter, but I just don't see it. I think you got what you got. 
Wilson up, one of the one of the bullpen guys that they feel is expendable down, and uh, uh, let's go with what we got and hope Snick can work continue to work miracles with that because uh, I was really upset when Flowers came in the game to run through Darno, and the first thing that happened was the ball got by him. Now I know it was a wild pitch and it was hard pitch to handle, but you got to get your big behind over in front of that ball, and he tries to backhand it, which is the worst way to catch a ball for a catcher, and he just. His, his blocking is just so bad, uh, and, uh, you know, I just I cringe. When he, I would rather have seen Contreras because Contreras would have got stopped that ball. It wouldn't have got by him. Not that it made a difference, but, you know, he's just the kind of guy when the ball, when he's in the game, I'm not confident in that he's going to be that good in the game. I, I just think you're Jake's right. They're going to see you're going to do with what you got, and that's what we got. Yeah, and it's not bad. I I think you know the nine in the lineup are, are there for good reason. Um, but yeah, I think the other reason is there's just nobody to replace them with. And you take Marquez out of the lineup, uh, you got what one lefty and Freeman in the lineup, and you know, and obviously Ozzy being a switch hitter, but you know they're not gonna they're not gonna do that. I've already touched on this as well, but I'll give it a little bit more discussion as far as, you know, at this point, you know, recording this on Thursday, uh, we don't know who the Braves are going to be facing in that next round. It's either We know it's either going to be the Cubs or the Marlins. The Marlins currently have a uh, one-game lead in the series. Their game on Thursday was postponed. They'll pick it up on Friday, and if there is a game three, it'll be on Saturday afternoon. But, Alan, who, which team are you more um, concerned with? Which team would you more like to face? Let's take a poll here of of those three. Who thinks that the Cubs could flip a switch and suddenly start hitting again? Because if they can, they've got a fairly formidable lineup. But they've got a lot of guys who just haven't been hitting, and they're, they're kind of an enigma this year. And I don't not sure how they won their own division. In fact, I guess it was probably for pitching reasons as much as anything else. But that may be in a week central. The Marlins, we know, at least, and that's why I think I'd like to face them, because we've seen them, we beat them in the season series six games to four, and even though they've got some better pitching, we know what it looks like, and I think that'll help. The Cubs are basically a wild card, and we don't know what they're going to have. I, I, I guess I'd rather face the devil you know than the devil you don't know. So if you, if you want a uh, answer for me, I guess I, I'm going with Miami. But uh, I do think that the Braves should be able to handle both teams reasonably well. Um, yeah, I think, Fred, you mentioned you uh, Darvish earlier uh, as being their stud. And, yeah, he can come out there and, and really do something good. But at the same time, this Braves team has already faced really good pitching and come out the other side doing well. So, it's not like I think they're going to be intimidated by him or anybody else. I think they're going to go out there and eventually do their jobs. Hopefully uh, Houston will provide a better environment for them to hit in than than what we've seen. We, we may not have a bench, but we've got a lineup full of 800 OPS guys and, and better, so that's all right. Yeah, um, and I'll kind of give you my two cents on it before I, I pass it over to Fred, but I – I'm kind of leaning that I'm more scared of the Marlins if for for no other reason that the Marlins don't lose in the postseason. Um, and and you know the the other thing to that too is on a more serious note is that they put together good at bats and they play small ball really well. And we've seen it in the series against the Braves this year is they will they will eat up some pitches. Um, and with you know how short we are on starting pitching, you know I think if they do that and get Freed or Anderson out of there, you know, in five innings or less. We saw him do it to, to Ian Anderson really in the, the one start he's, he struggled in this year. You know, I think that could cause some problems, but they, they really just, you know, are, are good on the fundamentals and that kind of scares me in a postseason like this. And, you know, like I said, when we don't, if we don't get linked out of our starters, you know, I think we can be in trouble. So they kind of scare me in that regard, and their their pitching is good, but I, you know it's not better than what we saw against the Reds. And I think the the big part of it too is the Starling Marte injury and how severe that's going to be. Uh, if he is not able to go uh, in the next round, that's a huge loss for that Marlins lineup. 
So, you know, I think that could be a, a big factor in, in who I'd rather see. The Cubs, you know, obviously they they have the names. Um, you look at the names, you know, Ian Happ, Anthony Rizzo, Bryant, Schwarber, Contreras, Hayward, Baez. Uh, I mean, they have the names. Um, they haven't really lived up to those names this year. Uh, and the pitching has been good as well. You know, Hendricks and, and Darvish. What's interesting, too, to note, and I don't know how big of a deal this would have been, but had they played today with Darvish and Sixto going, they, those would have been on regular, they would have both been on regular rest to pitch game one. Now with it being pushed back, they wouldn't be on regular rest until game two. Now they, they were pitching game two of this series, so maybe that was the plan all along, but I found that a little interesting that, you know, with the, the delay on Thursday, the postponement, they wouldn't be able to, to pitch until game two, and I consider both of them to be the the best starter for their respective teams. So, Fred, what are your your thoughts on those two teams? Well, everybody sort of underestimates Hendricks. He's been really good for them for two years, and what he does is, and if you go back and you think of what Maddox did to you before you saw Smoltz the next day, that's why you get Hendricks ahead of Darvish, because he's everything Darvish isn't. Darvish, Darvish is breathing fire with a half a dozen different pitches and eight or nine if he really wants to do it. Hendricks is all location and spin, and, you know, he throws throws hard for, you know, a few years ago, but he, it's sort of medium velocity now. And you get those two back-to-back, that's a way to unsettle a lineup. And that's why I, that's why I believe that we saw this situation now. That's why I don't, I don't didn't, didn't watch the Cubs a lot this year. But the bats aren't very good. You're right. The bats, Javier Baez isn't hitting. Uh, Bryant isn't hitting. Uh, Rizzo isn't hitting. Contreras has been really as good as anybody on their team. And flipping a switch is not easy. Uh, in fact, uh, Jason Hayward's been their best hitter this year. Uh, and and he didn't get a hit in the first game. I, again, the, the left-handed bats are going to have of the, of the Cubs are going to have trouble with Max Street. And, you know, we saw that Anderson can handle left-handed bats. I'm not so worried about the Cubs' bats. The Cubs' pitching, look, when Bauer was in that game, he his the, the Bauer effect held, rolled over the lineup into today's game. Bauer can take you out of your rhythm. He can take you out of your, out of your happy zones. And it took a while for the Braves to get back in, into the swing of things. The same thing can happen with Darvish and, and, and Hendricks. You get one of them that's coming at you slow, and you get one of them that's coming at you breathing fire with spin and, and the bottom falling out of, the, out of a 94 by 95 mile an hour sinker that, that ends up at your ankles, and all of a sudden you're not sure what the ball is going to do, and that's a problem. So I think the Cubs' first two starters are, are really good, and then, I, then the old man, Lester, is going to do what Lester does. He's going to go out there and try to outthink everybody. The Marlins, without Marte, the Marlins are in trouble. Okay, it's, there's that. Uh, and it's his left hand. And I ha- I wonder, okay, they put a splint on his left hand. But if, if he gets hit on that left hand again, it could be really dangerous for him. And I'm not sure that Mattingly will do that to him. Uh, I just don't know. I, you know, it's hard to say. I don't know how bad the break is. But they were putting it in the splint, and he's going to try to hit it. But that hurts. You take your take your finger off the bat and try to hold it out there, and then any pitch that comes inside around your hands, you flinch, and and you're going to pitch in there to see if he flinches. So I think that hurts the Marlins. We saw that Sanchez has trouble being from start to start. Urena's out with a broken arm. Uh, the I, I just think the Marlins are going to be. I don't think there's a lot of difference between the two of them, but I think the Marlins lineup may be more dangerous. I, you know, they hit us. They hit a, hit us around, and uh, at least the Cubs haven't seen Freed and, and Anderson and, and and Wright. I don't know if there's much difference between the two, but I kind of lean to one and see the Cubs. Yeah, no, I'm kind of leaning that way as well. But I think you know, kind of like Alan said, and Fred, I think you agree with this as well. I, I think the Braves can handle either team, and I think either of those teams are much well I shouldn't say much easier but I think they're an easier opponent than the Reds at least on paper so you know I think it's a, a good matchup for the Braves either way so excited about that excited to see who their opponent is going to be and uh, again we we may not uh, know that for a couple more days but um, and, the, and the next round will start on Tuesday 
Uh, I wrote this in the article, you know, post-game article from the Red Series. You know, don't be surprised if the Braves get another early start time. But, uh, again, I'm hoping they push those start times back a little bit with four games. Maybe they don't make it a one after the other. Maybe they um, have one started at five and, and seven and then have the two West Coast games um, late. But uh, that would be be nice. But uh, I think the Braves will probably get that early time slot. But e- either way, just excited for the Braves to be, to be moving on uh, and advancing. As far as the other series go, as I'm saying this, Fernando Tatis just hit a three-run bomb. Um, I was going to say, how is he going to work Fernando this one in? <laughs> I want yeah, Cardinals so. so bad. Um, but the Cardinals are up 1-0 in that series. The Padres are trying to hang in there. They're down uh, 6-5 um, after that uh, Tatis home run there. But, yeah, <laughs> certainly hoping the Padres come back and win that series. Not not a big fan of the, the Cardinals after last year and, and really after a lot of postseason difficulties against them. The Cardinals are to the Braves as the Braves are to the Reds. Yeah. Yeah, what is the the Reds haven't or the Bra the Reds have never beat the Braves in the postseason, right? Isn't that wasn't Correct. that the, the note? I think and I think that's also true the other way around. Or at least yeah. back in Atlanta uh, years for sure. Um <laughs> The Dodgers Brewers series, that one seemed like it was over before it began. I think the uh, Brewers were out without their two best pitchers going into that series. And it's actually a close 4 2 game in the first one, but um, I think the Dodgers probably wrapped that one up tonight, uh, recording this on Thursday. And then what am I, what am I missing here? The, oh, the, well, the Marlins and Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, it. <laughs> the Marlins and the Cubs, we talked about that. But in the American League, uh, the Rays took care of the Jays in a series that I maybe watched two innings of. That one seemed like it was over before it began. A's uh, took the White Sox out in a decisive game three. Um, that was after the White Sox won game one in Oakland. The Twins uh, talk about some postseason futility. Uh, wow. Still haven't won, a, or they've lost 17 or uh, kind of lost 18, count. 18, 18 now. Mm-hmm. 18 straight postseason games, which just seems un- unbelievable. Um, they were knocked out by the Astros. I'm sure many of you saw the, the tweet from Carlos Correa, who just keeps adding to the, the hate that everyone has for, for him and, and the Astros. But uh, they advance, and let's see, the Yankees took care of the Indians in a crazy series. That game one matchup between Bieber and Cole was terrible, or at least it was for Bieber. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then game two, and that just went it was kind of sloppy pitching on both sides, went back and forth, and the Yankees scored two in the ninth to win that one. So uh, Yankees uh, advance in that one uh, as well. So uh, a lot of fun uh, with this postseason format um, in these first couple of days. I still don't want to see this format going forward, but but I will admit that it kind of had a, a College World Series type feel uh, for these couple of days, having all these games on. Um, yeah, I was going to ask if you if you changed your mind. <laughs> no, I, I mean it's, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I'm an adult now. I'm also trying to work during during the day, so you know I don't get to just sit back and enjoy it like I, I probably would. Now, in the future, if they did it, maybe I I, I take those days off and, and actually sit down and enjoy it. And and with the Braves game going 13 innings in Game One, I really didn't get to watch much of the other two games because by the time the Braves game was finished, two of the other games were pretty much done. So um, we have breaking <laughs> we have breaking news. All right, the game is now tied in San Diego. Okay, yeah, Alan's got the uh, one minute head start on me. Uh, I got the delayed connection here, but uh, oh, Padres, <laughs> Padres making the comeback. But but Alan, what were your your thoughts on the the wild card series in, in this postseason format? Did did you change your mind on it at all? Almost, <laughs> I guess, just because. Well, I, I mean, if the Braves had lost this, then probably not. But. I did think it was kind of compelling to to see this stuff, and and I am glad that it was a best of three series and not just a, a winner take all one one shot deal like uh, wild card games are. I would like to see a, if they were to go forward with this, and I so far the indications are they're not, but if they were to go forward with it like this, and I would like to see some additional 
I guess, benefits for the division winners, the higher seeds. Um, having all the games at their home ballpark, yeah, that helps. This year, probably not as much, but it, it would help to have the lower seed, lower seeded team not be rewarded with a home game. I am still sort of a fan of the idea of having maybe a best of three series and you start 1-0 or something like that to, to really, uh, Give, give a decisive advantage to the higher seed if you want to go with 16 teams. you, you got to make the lower seed team really earn it. I don't know that they're going to do that. I, I think they're looking at more like 14 teams or 12 in the future, and that's okay. But this did make some, for some good baseball over the last couple of days. I just want to get one more thing on the record before we get out of here. I'm a fan of Trevor Bauer. I want to see him in a Braves uniform. <laughs> Sorry, Trevor. Some of our guys just don't like you. I apologize for them. Please sign with Atlanta. <laughs> that's a yeah, lot but... like the that's a lot like the Bryce Harper hate. If Bryce Harper was playing right field for the Braves, nobody'd be talking about about Harper. This no. this is all. I mean, you know, obviously this is like envy of the thing that teams that can afford to throw that kind of money out there for a player. Uh, Bauer, if he goes to one year contracts. Uh, the Braves have a chance. If he wants, if he's offered six years of a figure he can't turn down, uh, they aren't in it. But I, you know, I agree with yeah. you. I want him in Atlanta next year. Yeah, and Fred, before we get out of here, I want to get your thoughts too, just on the the wild card series and playoff format. I know you weren't a big fan of it to begin with, um, but how have you in, enjoyed this week? Well, uh, it's too many games, and and in, in too many games a day. Uh, there's the, uh, as Alan said, the, the winner, the division winners don't get any kind of benefit out of this. Oh yeah, you get to play at home. But the only reason you got to play at home was there was no no travel involved, and and that was the thing. Get you to a place, get you secure, and play there. Uh, the, the the other teams are going to say, hey, I got fans that want to see this game too, you know, and we got to have something in our ballpark. So I don't think you're ever going to see all the games done this way again outside of this situation. I do think you know twelve, ten, twelve teams uh, are are going to be uh, going to be possible. You know they may work it up. They may go ten and then move to twelve and so on and so forth as as they try try to, to recoup some of this money that they lost over the year. And there's a ton of money being lost over the year. The Rays game was was uh, a men and boys. The Jays will be better because they played it, but uh, you know it was. Uh, they were never in any either either game. And, and it kind of reminds me of Dodgers Braves two two years ago, 2018, where they were definitely the men and we were the boys, and it was just glad that Acuna hit that grand slam. Yeah, it was. It's it was. It, it's all about pitching in the postseason. If you saw to get the games here, you you've learned that it's all about pitching and defense in the postseason. Um, the Jays had some defense, but they didn't have any pitching, and uh, the Rays just dismantled them. The Yankee series, the Indians, um, we talked about this when they made that trade. They didn't get what they needed. They may have gotten what they want, but they didn't get what they needed to do to be a winner. But I think the idea was to get in the postseason and have a couple of games and get some money. But on top of that, their pitching fell apart, too. and that was That's true. Uh, Bieber Bieber, uh, had a bad day. The the Oakland uh, White Sox series was actually a pretty good series. But uh, And the White Sox were snake bit today. But Oakland was always going to win that because you knew that Mike Fires in Oakland was going to play Houston at some point. <laughs> and and the Houston-Minnesota thing, Houston's a better team. You know, you can talk about what you want about 2017, but you go down that lineup and you Guriel and Altuve and Correa and Bregman and Springer at, and, and Brantley's one of the best clutch hitters in the league. You look at that lineup and then you look at Minnesota and you go, well, you know. It's not really a surprise. And uh, so I think that uh, it was mostly what I expected it to be. I expected, you know, maybe I expected the, the Twins to put up a better fight. But uh, yeah, that, that I, potent offense of theirs scored two runs in two games. Right. Huh? right. Yeah, but, you know, they were, this isn't the, the Twins' offense last year was all home runs, and they had a ton of them, and they just didn't get that this year. And, I, and that was true for a lot of teams. But. I, I think that uh, missing Donaldson uh, and that turf, and I'm sure Josh cusses that turf every time he runs out on it, as he counts his money. But I think, you know, as Alan said, not 16 games. I'm I'm thinking, you know, 12 now. I've some last week. I'm I've been thinking about this, and 12 sounds like a good place with some modifications to it. 
Uh, and I do think for, they've got to have at least a three-game play-in series. You can't do this one-game stuff anymore because fans like the three-game series. I don't mind that. I understand the game's got to move on and do things. But the other thing they got to do, and somebody tweeted this out, if you're MLB, the game's on ABC. You've got to get more postseason games on over-the-air networks if you want people to watch the games. You absolutely have to do that. Because everybody doesn't have MLB Network, and I know everybody thinks ESP, everybody's got cable, but that isn't true, and you're missing a lot of people with that. So, you know, they got to figure out a way to do that. Uh, ESPN, ABC can do that. Fox and MLB can do that. Uh, they they can put these games out there for them. Um, maybe we'll see that again. But the uh, um, playoff system, too many teams, but not a bad start. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm curious to see kind of what the numbers are and, and what's said about it after the season, but... Yeah, definitely over a 162-game season, I would hate to see 16 teams get in. I just think that waters down the regular season and makes it pretty much pointless. Um, but for this year, I, I think it was, you know, good. And, you know, I have enjoyed this week and all the games of the wild card series. But, uh, yeah, I really don't want to see that many teams going forward as well. I think we all kind of agree on that. But um glad that the Braves uh, got it because they finally got to advance in, um, in, the, in the postseason. So excited about that. Uh, excited about their matchup next week in the NLDS. Appreciate everybody uh, listening to this episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast. Please make sure that you subscribe to the Tomahawk Take podcast wherever you listen to them. Make sure you check out the TomahawkTake.com website for daily articles and updates and, and news updates uh, as we go throughout the postseason. And appreciate uh, everybody who, who tunes in to, to give us a listen and, and reads the, the articles on the website. We do truly appreciate it. That'll do it for uh, this edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. And take care. This has been the 32nd episode of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. And we attempted to run the credits this week via a professional voiceover guy, but ended up with this computer-generated voice approximation instead, mostly because it was free. Nonetheless, this has been a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on the show today are those of the participants. Minute Media rightly disavows all of them. All rights reserved. Some of the musical selections used today come to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org, slash licenses, slash buy, slash 4.0. These are pieces by Kevin McLeod entitled Batty McFadden and Merry Go Round. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thank you for listening and let's keep rooting for the Braves this week. Ha! I guess that came out just about right for time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.